1: This is the Hockey News Podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. It's Matt Larkin here with Ryan Kennedy and Ken Campbell. My internet's not good. I'm trying not to freeze, so let's hope I don't freeze. And guys, the Stanley Cup's over. Finally, two months and more than two months. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, what's your initial reaction to just how are we going to remember this thing when we look back on it in time? Ken, you've been covering more of the games directly, so just tell me, what's your, what's your future vision for how we're going to look back on this whole thing?
2: I think, I think we're going to look back at it, at it as one of the most difficult cups to win in the history of the league. Um, <clears throat> you know, like I said last night, does it deserve an asterisk? Absolutely, it deserves an asterisk. After what the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, accomplished, they deserve to be in a class by themselves. Um, this was an extremely difficult cup to win 65 days in the bubble um, you know like it just just sort of the the whole you know everything around it the COVID the you know the 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 protests that they had in the it, you know in the middle of everything and uh, just to me um, you know it was it was a remarkable effort by this the Tampa Bay Lightning and it would have been a remarkable effort by anyone who won and uh, I I I think they're I think Tampa's full marks for this cup. Um, you know, I I believe that uh, I believe that this this one is is every bit as uh, is every bit uh, has every bit as much integrity as any other one, if not more.
1: Yeah, and I think if you look at the on ice product, this was also unique in that because there was that big break before the playoffs it wasn't slog hockey in the first couple of rounds. Like these were excellent games. You know, we saw some, some big upsets with Montreal. um, And, you know, and Chicago for that matter, knocking out Edmonton, the hockey was really good. And eventually it became that war of attrition that we're so used to, you know, Colorado was impacted quite a bit. And then Dallas in the final losing essentially all of their (laughs) shutdown players. Um, midway through the series. So you got the benefit of some very compelling, you know, high energy hockey. You, you had different styles, you know, you, ha- you had the Islanders and the stars for that matter um, on one end. And then you had Tampa Bay blazing a path on the other end of the spectrum. But I thought the hockey was really good and, and certainly didn't suffer. And even right into the Stanley cup final, even though there was some, some significant injuries, I mean, there was some really good hockey being played. And we, we can't always say that about the Stanley Cup. You know, it's, it's compelling because it's elimination, but the games themselves aren't always classics if you took them out of that, you know, context.
0: Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'm looking back, like, my,
1: my take ended up being ice cold, that the games are going to be really
0: slow and bad right off the bat. Because I was like, no, they're going to have jello legs. It's going to be sluggish. And I was like, hilariously wrong about that. Uh, you know but I agree it's going to be considered maybe the hardest Stanley Cup to win and I really feel for Dallas because of that and just you know I feel like it's the most painful cup of all time to lose because of the fact that you invested all that time in the bubble and then you come home all that time away some some of these guys away from the families with nothing so it's painful Uh, but before we talk about Dallas let's talk about the champs the Tampa Bay Lightning and I'm curious you know this, this team has been dominant for a long time. You know, they made it to the final in 2015 with the same, a lot of the same members of this core. They've been knocking on the door of the cup, 62 wins last year. We knew it was coming. We all picked them to win the Stanley Cup at the start of the season. So my question now is, is this a one-off, or do you think there's potential for a repeat, a dynasty, whatever you want to call it? So, Ryan, let's start with you. Do you think Tampa can get back here next year?
1: They certainly can. And you know, they have some cap issues that they need to sort out because Anthony Sorelli needs a deal, Mikhail Sergachev needs a deal. They're already pretty tight against the cap as is. So, you know, there's going to be some changes. But having said that, the core they already have locked down is incredible. You know, they've got strength down the middle with Braden Point and then obviously Sorelli behind him. They have a Norris Caliber and now Conn Smythe winning defenseman in Victor Hedman leading the charge. Ryan McDonough is still under contract and you have a star goaltender in Andre Vasilevsky who is still in his prime years and will be for the foreseeable future. I think at this point, what you do is, you know, you're going to lose some guys. Maybe it's Tyler Johnson, maybe it's Alex Kalorn. It's it's probably going to be have to be a couple of guys for that matter, but you have your recipe now. And what you can also do is you can attract, new veterans who are looking for that ring maybe it's Joe Thornton that comes over at the trade deadline next year where you know he's only making sort of uh, a fraction of the salary he he did a couple of years ago but he wants that title and he's not going to get it with the Sharks at this point so you bring in a guy that is your motivator that you want to win it again for on top of the fact that hockey players just want to win the Stanley Cup all the time but you bring in those guys that keep it fresh knowing that you have the core and the coaching staff to repeat.
2: Yeah, I I think they're good enough to win for sure. Um, I don't think they will only because history tells us that in, in this, in this era, you got uh, teams repeat only about once every 10 years now. And Pittsburgh just did it a couple of years ago. So for no other reason than that, I'm going to say that they're not going to repeat, but, I think they're they're you know, for the foreseeable future for the next couple of years, they are going to be one of those teams, like they're going to be one of those teams that is in the Stanley Cup conversation. And that's all you can really ask for at any time, is to be among those teams that's, you know, that has a really good chance of being there at the end. And these guys have that chance. And now I, I think the difference now is, you know, they went out and got a Pat Maroon, a Patrick Maroon, right? Because they needed that guy, you know, with the winning pedigree and and a guy who had been through it. Well, now they don't really need Pat Maroon anymore because they've got they've got like twenty guys now that know what it's like and have gone through it. So, th- yeah, I mean, I, 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 nothing other than than just the sheer enormity of ha- of trying to win the Stanley Cup tells me that they, they 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 probably won't win it next year. But that doesn't mean they they won't win it in you know twenty twenty two. Uh, or the year after that. Like, I think this is a team that is going to be in that conversation, is going to be among those very seriously contending teams for the next probably four or five years.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And I see them different than, you know, for example, a team like Washington – that, you know, they uh, they got their cup and a lot of their guys are creeping into the, into the 30s because you look at a lot of the core members of the Lightning, whether it's Vasilevsky or Brain Point or Anthony Sorelli, a lot of these guys are in their prime or just entering their primes and they're becoming key members of the core. and That's not even mentioning guys like, you know, Stan Goldfield healthy and Victor Hedman and Kucherov. So I think it's repeatable, especially because Tampa's in the East. I think the West, there are some superpowers rising up, but I don't think there's a challenger in the East that's ready for Tampa yet. And yes, they're going to have to trade. It's going to be either Yanni Gord or Kulorn, uh, Tyler Johnson, Andre Platt, it's probably going to be Kalorn because he's the one that has no, or he has the modified no trade clause. The other guys have full no trades, but one of them has to go. At least one of them has to go. Uh, but I, I still think so much of the core is intact. And even like Barkley, Goodrow, and Blake Coleman, they, you know, they uh, Julian Brees traded first, traded first round, traded first round picture, first round picture for them both. So it really shows how good of a return it was in the trade got them a cup. But then they can arrive with those guys again next year, and they are pretty crucial contributors. So I, I think the Tampa to me still looks like the class of the East. I, I think that the West is looking much deadlier and that, you know, we'll get to Dallas again and we'll talk about that as well, but a little more on the lightning, um, you know, Victor Hedman wins the consmite. It was a very closely contested consummite. It could have been Braden Point as well. It could have been Kucherov, um, but, you know, looking at his resume now, so you've got some key pillars, you know, you've got the consmite He has a Norris trophy, you got a Stanley cup and, you know, he still has a lot of hockey left in him. He's just turned 30, I believe. Right. So, do you think he's already a Hall of Famer is my question. If he were to retire today, has he done enough? Is he a slam dunk if he just plays a few more years? Or where do you stand on the headman Hall of Fame debate? We'll start with Ryan.
1: I think he's on I that, he's track, on that track, track where we assume that if he plays another five, 10 years in the league, he's going to pile up enough points that it's going to be uh, a foregone conclusion. You know, as you mentioned, he, he's got the hardware necessary. And he also has that unique profile where he's this big dude who skates really well, has a ton of talent, helps you out at both ends of the ice. You know, he's, he's becoming his own archetype. And what I mean by that is we're at the point where when we see a young defenseman like Owen Power, for example, who's, you know, one of the top prospects, if not the, the number one uh, contender for the 2021 draft, you say he could be the next Victor Hedman and everybody understands what that means. There's shorthand already for it. So I definitely think he's there. You know, if he retired today, you might say, well, well he doesn't have the raw numbers to do so. Uh, But you know, he's not retiring today. And I I think all he has to do is continue to play hockey and he's a Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that, Ryan. I think, I think, yeah, I think all he has to do is sort of continue to do what he's been doing the last, you know, sort of five or six years, you know, be in that Norris Trophy conversation, um, you know, be one of the top guys at both ends of the ice. Um, you know, you look at the Smythe Trophy, nine defensemen have won it. Um, te- it should be 10 because Chris Pronger was robbed in 2006. Um, but nine defensemen have won it and not eight of them are in the Hall of Fame. And the other one's Duncan Keith, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um so I mean it it's a it's it's a pretty well established template that if you're the most valuable player in the playoffs um you know there's a pretty good chance and you, and you're an elite defenseman of which he is both uh there's a pretty good chance that you're going to be the Conn Smythe trophy winner and uh and yeah I mean I I just I just think that he's you know I mean with Victor Hedman I'm I'm not sure if he's peaked, but even if he has, and he's on the downside the rest of the way the the next few years are still going to be very, very productive, very good. Um, and, and he's on a team that, that, you know, that wins, like he's on a team that wins and that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal when it comes to the hall of fame and, and, you know, not only winning, but you know, he won and he was a vital part of a team that won, you know, that's, I think, I think that's where you kind of, that's where the rubber hits the road on a lot of these things. So yeah, I mean, I see him, you know, if he doesn't win another Stanley, like, like, if he quits today, okay, if he retires today, I, I'm not sure. But let's, let's frame it this way. If he doesn't win another Stanley Cup or another Norris trophy, um, and, and he just had, he's just okay for the rest of his career, I think he's in. Mm-hmm.
0: It's funny. I, I, I'm going to take it further and say I think that if he were to retire today, I would still put him in. And, you know, I've always had my sort of my, like Larkin's Hall of Fame criteria. And they're very, you know, they would discriminate against someone like a Patrick Marlowe or a Patrick Elias or Daniel Alfredson. Because to me, my test is, were you, and this is why I lo- like, I'm i all for guys like Eric Lindros and Pavel Bure getting in. It's like, were you one of the most dominant players, top five at your position for a stretch of five years in a row? that's sort of my main criteria. So before we even get to the Cup, the Smite, the Norris, you know, Victor Hedman has been a first or second team all-star each of the last four years. He's been a Norris finalist four years in a row. So to me, like that shows, we'll look back on a cluster where Hedman was the guy or just in the conversation with only one or two other defensemen as, as the guy. So to me, that's like cemented him, especially because, you know, of course we know he's not going to stop playing now so it's going to be i think a pretty easy decision when his career's done and it's funny looking back at that 09 draft class i think he's got to be the number one pick now with all due respect to to john travaris um so i want to ask you guys about the 08 draft pick of the Tampa Bay lightning steven stamkos and can something you said the other day really struck stuck with me and i've been thinking about it a lot and you were comparing stamkos to peter forsberg and just someone whose body just suddenly breaks down he's had a tremendous career uh, but you know his body only allowed him to play. What was it, two minutes and forty-seven seconds? Whatever that, sh- whatever his ice time was in the one game where he scored a goal. And it seems like at age thirty, his body just seems to be quitting on him. And you know we're not doctors; we can't diagnose what exactly is going on with him. But do you guys worry he's going to become kind of like a Forsberg, guy whose body just, it just suddenly he cannot play a sport that's physically demanding anymore. And are you worried that his career is in jeopardy? We'll start with you, Kenny, because you're the one that kind of tabled this idea.
2: I do. I do. but I do uh, fear that. And I am concerned about that. I mean, the one thing is he trains with Gary Roberts and, you know, I mean, Gary Roberts was done <laughs> at one point in his career and then he yeah. resurrected himself. So maybe maybe Stephen Stamkos does the same thing, but I just see a lot of the same sort of tendencies an Iron Man, like he was playing all the time he was playing all the games all the time and now it's you know you, you've started to see the breakdowns occur now you've got this core muscle issue um you know obviously he wasn't ready to return um you know I mean he you know he didn't even really get hit along the boards when he came in for his goal That you know that he scored in the two minutes and 47 seconds that he played um so he's obviously dealing with something that is very serious and and, and a long term thing. And, and it, I, I don't know, it just seems to be trending that way. And I mean, he's got four years left on his deal. Um, you know, is this one of those deals where, you know, in the last year or two, he's on LTIR for the, for the, for the rest? I, I don't know. But it just seems to me like things are starting to break down with him. He's got a fair bit of mileage. He's he, and and I find two guys that you know, and this is what I worry about with guys like Connor McDavid, guys that you know really are are fast and attack the net and and skate with reckless abandon to get pucks and to to get offensive scoring chances. They put themselves in situations where they can be very seriously hurt, and we did see that with Connor McDavid. All we've seen it with Connor McDavid already. Um, so I, I just I I feel like it's trending that way. I hope it's not, but I, I feel like it is.
1: Yeah, I feel that I'm, I'm holding out a bit more hope here. And part of the reason is that Stamkos has time. You know, we talked about him rushing back to, to be in the Stanley Cup final and, and to contribute. You know, he had a, a clear goal in mind. He had never won a championship at the NHL level. You know, obviously the Lightning were in a great spot to do so. Now he's got it. And so now he can sit back and say, okay, how much time do I need to actually recover and if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning I think you look at his eight million plus cap it and say take all the time you need stammer we'll put you on LTI to begin the season maybe it actually helps them with their cap crutch and it is legitimate because you know he is hurt so you say to him if it's six months whatever I mean look at Vladimir Tarasenko it's the same situation really where you know he had to have surgery. He needs to have a lot of time off, but if you're the St. Louis blues, you say, well, we, we have our cup, you know, we want what's best for our player. If it takes that long, then fine. That it takes that long. We'll survive. And we want him to be healthy. I think it's the same thing in Tampa Bay with Stamkos, where if he needs a long time, give it to him, make sure he's a hundred percent. And, you know, can you make a great point about Gary Roberts? I mean, the guy's basically Wolver- Wolverine, um, and now he's passing his uh, knowledge on to the next generation. I think Stamkos is he's in good hands right now. And the pressure is off where, you know, he knows he doesn't have to rush back right now. The important thing is for him to get 100%. Tampa Bay will still be a very good team without him. And hopefully this is something that gets corrected and he goes on to play another five, six years in the NHL at least
0: it's funny you know what concerns me most about sam because i kind of i kind of fall on ken's side um you know the fact that he suffered an injury that was going to cost him the first round of the playoffs before COVID hit he came back he trained and he suffered a new injury it wasn't the same injury so that's a sign of someone who's you know he's got compensatory injuries where the muscles are trying to to, to recruit to protect one injury and then you heal that but then you've created an imbalance and you suffer a new injury so i'm worried that It's going to be this endless cycle. So, like Ryan, when you say they can give him lots of time, then I, what's going to stop him from getting hurt when he's training to return next March? You know, and and you look at the problems they started in his his age twenty three season. I think it was a broken leg that year, and in four of his last seven seasons, he's missed significant time. There's even 2015, 16, He played the whole regular season, but then he had the blood clot that knocked him out of almost the whole playoffs. Right. So, four to seven makes me pretty nervous, and I don't want to be a pessimist, but I, I do worry that it's going to be something that's going to follow him around. And at this point, I think healthy seasons for him are almost considered, you know, lucky or, you know, we caught a break this year. Um, so let's talk about the Dallas Stars a little bit. Uh, this is a team that's interesting to me because, you know, we knew when they brought in Pavelski and Corey Perry last year, they were clearly all in, going for broke. They almost got all the way. Uh, but at forward, especially, they're one of the older teams in the league, with a lot of those core guys being real vets. And, you know, they, they wore out the tires a lot with this deep run. So do you guys think this is going to be, and I'm going to go back to the well, Ken, 96 Florida Panthers. <laughs> Are they going to be one of those teams that, you know, makes a cute little run and captures our hearts for one spring and it's forgotten, and next year they're, you know, struggling to make the playoffs even? Or do you think they can get back here? So, Ken, uh, we'll start with you on this one.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I would lean towards the, the former. I, I think that this was more of a one-off. I'm not sure that they're going to struggle to make the playoffs. I'm not sure if they're going to, you know, but I, I don't see them as being one of those teams. Like we just talked about with Tampa being in the conversation as a serious Stanley cup contender. I, I just don't see it. They're, you know, they're aging out, um, you know, especially at forward, um, you know, their goaltending situation is very much up in the air. I mean, even if they do re-sign Anton Kudobin you know, for everything he did, he's still 34 years old and he's a career backup goalie who was really worn down by the end of the playoffs. So um, I don't see this team, you know, I I think they, I think they kind of went for it this year. They, 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 they had their run, they tried their best. And, uh, and, and I, I don't know that they have another one in them. I, I really don't, I really would, would sort of lean towards them not being able to, to accomplish this again.
1: I agree. I think if you look at the performance Jamie Ben had during the postseason, it was a stark contrast from his regular season, and it, it really did feel like you know he, he saw his chance and he did everything he could uh, to make it happen. I think we saw that from Radulov as well with, with Sagan, you know he's, I, I think he's still got some good years in him, but he was clearly hampered by injuries. Um, but I just I don't think they, they're going to have that cast where they can compete at the highest level in the West. I agree. You know, they're a playoff team for sure uh, because they have that great system. You know, Miro Heschkinen is only going to get better. You know, Guryanov is only going to get better. Um, You know, they still have some kids coming up the pipeline, but you know, when I look at Colorado and Vegas and even Vancouver, I see three teams that would be able to handle Dallas, uh, you know, next year in the playoffs. And I think that's their biggest challenge is that, you know, like you said, Matt, they were an older team. Like is Corey Perry going to get better? No. Is Joe Pavelski going to get better? No. Um, You know, you're going to see some denigration amongst a lot of those forwards and, you know, I mean, it was a great effort. And I think, you know, like this was going to be the year that the stars made that run and they went as far as they could. And, you know, as I said before, injuries really hurt them in that final series. But, you know, NHL teams are going to figure out who to open again. Um, you know, he's, he's not a big guy. And they're going to they're gonna figure him out. Uh, and obviously you have Ben Bishop, let's not forget, who's you know, going to get healthy. And he, he will be their starter again. But I, just, I don't think they can keep up with the rest of the West the way things are situated right now.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. You know, and there are some some pros, of course. You know, this team is going to be healthier, probably. They got pretty bad injury luck at the end with Faxa and Hintz and Ben Bishop. Uh, and I do think, you know, Sagan can bounce back. And, and like you said, Ryan, a lot of the young core guys like Geryanov are going to be better. But I don't see Dallas having the capability of improving the current overall roster because they've got about $50 million in cap space and they have three really important RFA's. Radic Fansa, Radic Fansa, Radic Faxa, Ruppe Hintz and Gurian of all the new deals. And that's probably going to eat all of that money. I think they've all earned at least medium term, at least, you know, more expensive bridge, if not long-term packs. So then you're going to have a roster that can't really get better than what it is right now, unless you make a trade. I, I do wonder if you have to look at a guy like John Klingberg, who is a right shot. And, you know, you know Heiskanen is your defenseman to build the for years to come. But Dallas, you know, their farm system is not elite. They don't have really high-end guys coming up right now in the system. Even a guy like Ty DeLandria, it's not like he's an absolute can't-miss superstar, right? So I wonder if you have to take someone like a Klingberg and dangle him in a trade because there's so many teams that need a right-shot defenseman. You know, I, I think I wrote about this a little while ago. Do you dangle a John Klingberg to the Winnipeg Jets in a Patrick Line type of deal? Because we know that the Jets definitely need a right shot and Line would fit into Team Finland, a.k.a. Dallas, which is just like half-ins. Uh, so I, I think the only way Dallas can get better at this point, last year was their year to spend. This year it's got to be trades, so I, I, I'm, I'm not convinced they're going to be dominant next year. I think they're going to be competitive. Uh, so there's been some, I don't know. So Bob McKenzie comes back from a little bit of vacation. He just starts throwing bombs about Jack Eichel trade rumors. We don't know how serious they are, but they're out there. They're supposed, the Sabres are supposedly taking calls on Jack Eichel. So let's, let's first tell me if you think these are legit. If, if there's any reason to trust the rumors at all. And, you know, because of the fact there's already talk of, you know, would the Rangers trade the number one overall pick? Tell me if you would trade that pick for Eichel. So, Ryan, we'll start with you.
1: Uh, to begin with, no, they're not serious trade rumors. And, and, and McKenzie even said that, you know, sort of down the thread that, you know, he checked in and Eichel's not looking to get moved. And I don't think the Sabres want to move him. I would not trade if, – if I'm Buffalo, I do not trade Eichel for the number one pick because Eichel is a center you know he is still on the rise he's been an incredible player with very little supporting cast surrounding him in buffalo um i think he's he's better than lafreniere's ceiling and i mean maybe you toss in some other things to sweeten the pot whatever but you don't you don't trade a jack eichel i mean there are so few players around with his caliber of talent and he plays the most important position in the game. I, I think what you do is you build around him, and you know they've started to do that a little bit uh, with the Eric Stahl trade. I think that's going to really help them. Obviously, Buffalo needs to do more, but you know, you lucked into a top-notch talent by getting that draft pick. You do not mess with.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go one step further, even Ryan. I I don't think that uh, I don't think that Alex Lafreniere's absolute acme of his career and his his top level is is even close to what Jack Eichel brings. Um, you know, Jack Eichel's uh, on the cusp of superstardom. I think Alex, Alexis, L- Alexa Lafreniere is going to be a star, but he's not going to be a superstar. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as I can tell, that with that whole thread, Bob sort of started the trade rumor, and then he doused the trade rumor. So, right. like, really, like, okay, so, you know, I mean... <laughs> I mean, does that really? It's a tree falling in the forest, right? Like, you know. So, I, to me, no. You, <laughs> if you're Kevin Adams and you've kind of, sort of. Found your way into this job. Let's see. Let's say you found your way into this job. Is your first move gonna be to trade Jack Eichel? Like I see nothing. I see nothing, 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 but downside if you trade Jack Eichel. Like I, I see nothing but downside, especially if it involves the first pick overall and whatever else the New York Rangers can throw into that deal. I I don't see that even being that that's pennies on the dollar. As far as I'm concerned, I, I think Jack Eichel is a future superstar. If not already, he's definitely on the cusp of superstardom and to trade him, I think would be a massive, massive error.
0: Yeah. I'm with you guys. And, and I don't, I don't put a lot of credibility into the rumors, especially because to me, I know of course that the Googlers were operating with financial motivation, but I also think that, you know, what they're doing in getting rid of Jason Botterill and everything they're I think they're trying to take one last run with Eichel. I think if the Sabres miss the playoffs again and it's 0 for 6 for Eichel, then I think he will request a trade next year. I think this is the last ride. And that's what they brought in to GM making control, a GM they can lean on to make win-now moves, you know, like trading for Eric Stahl, who's aging but can be the second-line center now. So I think that there's full intention on the Sabers' part to roll with Eichel this this one more season. If you're going to trade for the left-and-year pick, I think you've got to ask for Capococco as well and say, fine. We don't know about Lafaneer is an absolute sure thing. Look, look what happened to Jack Hughes in his rookie season. So, we and like you said, Ryan, because Lafaneer is not a center, you got to throw in Kravtsov or Capocacco or Tony D'Angelo, m- multiple pieces, and none of those are centers as well. But I think you've got to create some kind of crazy package to even tempt Buffalo, and I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but speaking of trades, we can expect some to come next week. It's draft and free agency, but, you know, I'm assuming, even though it's going to be a weird little Zoom draft, so guys aren't going to be able to walk over to each other's table and chat, there's still going to be some trades happening around draft day. So I want you guys to each give me the name of a player you think will be traded by around draft day, whether it's on draft day before or just after, but someone who's going to be traded within the next week. So Ryan, we'll start with you.
1: I'll go with Matt Murray in Pittsburgh. Um, It just feels like, you know, something needs to be done there. And Jim Rutherford, you know, we, we've said this before, he's never afraid to pull the trigger. Um, so it, I, I agree. It's going to be really weird. And I wonder if we don't really see many trades because teams are concentrated on the draft itself. But who knows? Um, so I could see that. Or actually, another one would be Oliver ekman Larson in Arizona. I, I actually might feel a bit stronger about that one. I think the Coyotes are looking for – a different mix and you know he is an asset that um, you know if you find the right suitor I mean he's, he's a good puck moving defenseman um, so either of those guys I think would be options but I, I think it's it's going to be it's going to be tricky because it's going to be a very new style draft and that that might trip up some GMs who you need to concentrate otherwise at least with Arizona they don't have a draft because they don't pick until the 100s.
2: Okay, well, since Ryan took my guy, I'm taking your guy, Matt. (laughs) I'll go with Matt Dumba for 200, Alex. (laughs) I mean, I I just, I don't think this is going to be a trade of Palooza. I I, I don't think this draft is going to be like that. I, I, you know, I'll let you pontificate on Dumba because he was your guy, Matt. But how about a guy like, I don't know, maybe the St. Louis Blues trade Alex Pietrangelo's rights. Um, to a team that has an opportunity to negotiate with him, um, you know, exclusively because there's no courting period and, and, you know, they, they, they really want to sign him. Maybe a guy like that, maybe, I don't know, maybe Taylor Hall, maybe one of those guys, uh, their rights get moved uh, in order to have a team exclusively um, negotiate with them. But I, I, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't think it's going to be a huge, uh, a big mover and shaker kind of trade uh, draft right now.
0: And yes, I will go with Matt <laughs> Dumba. Uh, and I've said before, you know, I, I recorded a video last week just because he checks every box. We we already know that the Wild are actively shopping him. And if you're actively shopping a 26-year-old right shot defenseman who can play two-way and has three years left on his deal, so it's not a big commitment, $6 million, pretty reasonable price tag. Like, he couldn't be more attractive for teams to, to trade for. So I think that if Garen wants to make a trade, Bill Garen, he will. It's, there's going to be a million offers for for Dumba, I think, and I think the Wilder are a team that could really use a trade before the draft because they could use another high draft pick. Uh, just just they got to start building more of a core around Kirill Kaprazov and and now the breakout star Kevin Fiala. So I think that's a team that would really benefit. Just you know, obviously a guy like Matthew Boldy is, is pretty promising, but overall the Wild's farm system it's not very exciting. So they need they need to add some more premium guys to that that group. Uh, let's do a little bit of, of listener slash viewer mailbag questions. Uh, the first one is from Matthew. Hey, Matthew, it's me, Matthew. Uh, and Matthew wants to know which current player compares best best to Alexi Lafreniere. I know you guys hate comparisons for draft day prospects. I love them. I think they're fun. So I'm going to dive in. Uh, I know, I mean, central scouting, I believe already compared uh, Lafreniere to Jonathan Uberdeau and I think you can see it. Oh, we just lost Ken. Ken just disappeared from the <laughs> podcast. He just spoke an absolute Houdini. Uh, we'll see if Ken can can work his way back. Steven, producer, just try and get Ken back. I'm going to keep talking. Uh, but I do think that Uberdotes, it, it, it's, a, it's kind of a facile comparison. It's like, yes, they're roughly the same size. They play the left wing. They're francophone. They come from the queue. They're good puck handlers. They make others around them better. I see it. But from what I understand about Lafreniere is he plays the game with a little more fire than Oubredo. So I almost, I see more of like a, a, a winger version of Peter Forsberg in terms of what his ceiling would be. I'm not saying he's going to be Peter Forsberg, but the type of skill set, the way teammates talk about him, the, the way he can kind of lift, lift other line mates with his like inspirational kind of play and also having elite puck skills as well. So I see Peter Forsberg as a, as a comparison, winger version of Peter Forsberg. Ryan, are you willing to participate in this game even though you hate comparisons? If so, What do you got?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll participate. Yeah. I I think the Jonathan Huberto, I would say kind of like an edgier Jonathan Huberto. And I I was also kind of thinking like, maybe like a junior Jamie Ben, like he's, he's not like as big as Ben and I don't think he's ever going to be as big as Ben. And he's, he's probably not the guy that you want dropping the gloves um so because he's not like a pure power forward but you know he he does play physical and he he can put up a lot of points um so I I would put him I I think Huberto is probably the best uh comparison because it also puts it into context you know like when we all we talk about draft picks and I mean it, it's all about potential right so we tend to be very effusive with our praise because we want people to understand like, you know, the, the upside with this kid is quite high. You know, like they're going to be the next Patrick Kane or, you know, they're going to be the next Victor Hedman or whatever it happens to be. Um, I think with Lafreniere, he's going to be, you know, we've already talked about it on this podcast. He's going to be a very good NHL. He's probably going to be a star in the NHL. You know, Jonathan Huberto is a 90 point guy. And I mean, Maybe because he's in Florida, we don't talk about him that much. But, you know, he's a guy that goes to all-star games. He's a guy that gets his points. He's one of the best players on his team. And, um, you know, I mean, 90 points is, is nothing to sneeze at in today's NHL. Um, I think if Lafreniere becomes a 90-point guy, Rangers fans would be ecstatic because they already have guys like Panarin and zabanejad And as we mentioned before, they've, they've got kids like Kravsoff and Kako uh, coming up as well. Um, so that gives you a, a really good base to go from. So I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with edgier Huberdo. I like it. And also, you know, Ryan's
0: showing a lot of heart there, giving a nice long answer, trying to buy time for Ken to come back. We just got a message that Ken's computer died. That's why he randomly <laughs> disappeared. Uh, so I, hopefully he's going to be back in a minute or two, but you know, you got to love Ryan real team guy there. Could have given, could have, could have given double shifting. You really put in a long shift there. Uh, next question is, is we actually, this is bizarre. We It's not like there's been a big news story about Arizona uh, moving to Houston or anything, but when we solicited uh, questions on Twitter this week, we got th- at least three questions about uh, whether Houston's going to get an NHL team, which is very bizarre. Bizarre coincidence. Ken is back. Excellent. So, Kenny, glad to have you back. You just missed a little question about about Lafreniere. No big deal. Uh, I'm going to give you a minute. I'll let Ryan answer this first so you can get yourself set up again with your computer that appears to be working again. Uh, So the question is, when and how will Houston get an NHL team? Ryan, you
1: can start. Honestly, right now, I I don't see it. I think that it, it, it was very close for a couple of years prior, but you know, when I look at the Arizona ownership, uh, right now, it seems like it's in its best situation that it might've ever been, you know, Alex Morello, um, you know, he is committed. Uh, this is a guy that has deep pockets and he wants his family. You know, he, he said this, uh, or actually Javier Gutierrez, the uh, CEO said this, um, during the Bill Armstrong presser that, You know, Maruelo, he wants this to be a team that he passes down to his kids. And, you know, he has the financial wherewithal to do so. Um, I think Houston was a bit of a stocking horse for a couple of years for franchises, probably including Arizona. But when you have Seattle coming in as the 32nd franchise, that's a nice even number. You you know, it's like everything, you can have four divisions of eight. Um, You've got another major television market covered off there and you don't, you don't need movement. I, you know, If somebody needs to be bailed out, okay, Houston's there, Quebec City's also there. Um, so for me in the foreseeable future, I, I don't see Houston anymore.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, probably, but I'm gonna just, this is nothing more than just a, a wild sort of idea, speculation, maybe the COVID pandemic is the best thing that could have happened to Houston's chances to get an NHL team um, because when you get in it, when you purchase an expansion franchise in the NHL, it's a lot of money. It was 500 million for Seattle, for, uh, for Vegas, 650 million for Seattle. Uh, it would be at least 650 million for anybody else to join the league. And I know there aren't plans to expand right now. 32 is a good number. It's, it's, it, it works. It works on so many levels. But I just wonder if the owners start saying, you know, look, we're we're hurting here. We've, you know, revenues are down. You know, we don't know what next year is going to look like. We don't know what the year after is going to look like. We don't know when there's going to be a vaccine. We don't know when there's going to be accessible testing. We don't know when people are going to start being able to come to the games. So maybe this affects revenue so badly that the NHL owners say, yeah, let's go out and get another team just so I can... Put twenty million bucks in the bank, <laughs> you know, and and so maybe that helps Houston's chance of getting a, an expansion franchise. I don't see any relocation at the moment, um, but you know, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's a, a far flung idea that might just end up happening.
0: That's an interesting answer because I was going to say the pandemic I think decreases the odds for Houston, but it's because I'm I'm because of the even thirty two I'm looking at it through the lens of relocation rather than expansion. Uh, because it's so natural to think about Houston, knowing that the Coyotes are going to move to the Central Division when Seattle comes in, Central Time Zone, Houston—it's just sitting right there. We know that Tillman Fertitta, as recently as you know last fall, was still expressing interest that his dream was to bring an NHL franchise to Houston. It's a huge market; it's a big TV market, corporate sponsorship opportunities way bigger there than you get in Arizona. There's so much to like there, but now it's like if you're if you're Someone interested in buying a team, like if you're if you're a Fertitta, if it was relocation, you'd have to. I guess he, would he be buying it? A, it's not very likely now that Arizona has the new owner, of course. But also, I don't know if anyone wants to make a big investment like that during COVID, right? So I think it's going to be status quo. Obviously, Arizona has to figure out the arena situation; otherwise, the questions are not going to go away. But I, I think the the Houston Dream is far further away now than it was a year ago. Uh, we'll do we'll do one more question then we'll get to the rapid fire game which is going to be a staple now last question uh the question is from beach life for me and beach life for me asks where will tory krug end up i've said you know i've already made my case for detroit many times it's where he's from it's where he grew up he's a diehard red wings fan growing up the red wings have lots of cap space there's so many reasons why i think it fits it's where he's going to get the most money i think because they can afford to pay him Uh, i'd also watch out for montreal because of the jeff petrie connection but i don't want to get too detailed into that in case that's one of your picks. So, uh, Kenny, we'll go with you. Where does Troy Krug end
2: up? Well, I, I would, I would tend to say Detroit too, Is you know, given that right now they're, they're probably, you know, putting the full court press on them right now to, to try and sign them. Um, but I mean, I guess it depends on, does he want just money? Uh, does he want money and a chance to win? Does he want? You know, wh- what does he want? Because because Detroit doesn't give him a chance to win in the foreseeable future. I mean, as much as they have coming up, and as many young guys as they have, and as promising as some of their young guys have been, they're they're years away from contending. Um, so I, I'm, you know, if if it's if it's um, if it, if it is, you know, sort of a mix of of reasons why he wants to to go, he's already stated that he wants to maximize his. Um, His potential so in a flat cap world that that creates some problems for some teams that otherwise would want him but yeah I mean it's probably Detroit but um, I think if he wants to win he's gonna he's gonna be looking at uh, at some other places for sure
1: yeah and I would say if it's it was not Detroit if he's looking to win sooner than later I would look at like Edmonton uh, or even Winnipeg you know teams that certainly need more defensive help but have some very high-end elements otherwise on their roster, um, I, I think those would be pretty good options right now where, you know, you could get your money, you, you would get a good fit in terms of role, and and you would be bringing something to the table. You'd be bringing something both those teams, those teams need. Interesting. I think, you know, by that logic, I think Calgary would be a team to watch too because
0: I've said before, I think Calgary has to be extremely busy this offseason. Brad True Living's, At the end of his runway. So that that would be an interesting fit there too. Uh, So we're going to finish it off. We, the rapid fire, I missed it last week, but it sounded really fun. So Kenny, you're going to be the rapid fire host this time. You're going to fire off some quick questions at me and Ryan. So we'll set the order as Ryan, you answer first that we don't answer at the same time. So Kenny, I don't
2: answer first to give you guys some time to think about it. Okay. Okay, so so, the- so okay, so I mean, we're all new at this, so let's just uh, let's just bear with me here. So five questions, some pop culture, some hockey. Okay, all right. Number one, favorite Simpsons episode of all time.
1: Mm. Uh, I'm gonna go with the one where Homer thinks uh, where he falls in love with co worker Mindy. If uh, you watch yeah. that one? It's got yeah. a ton of good bits. Yeah.
0: Okay. Ryan?
1: Really tough call. I'm going to say
0: Itching Scratchy Land where nothing can possibly go wrong. Possibly. (laughs) I believe that's the first thing that's going wrong. I'm coming to chime in on this one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say the one because The Simpsons is my favorite show. uh, The one where they, they took Bart and a bunch of the dumber kids out of school because they thought like they would hurt their test scores for like their like local testing area, and they all kind of got stuck on a raft, and Skinner was
1: forced to save them. I thought that one was great.
2: Yeah, that was good. Uh, I'm gonna go really old school here. I'm gonna go uh, either uh, Homer becoming a big brother. Um, oh yeah, that one was awesome. That one was yeah. awesome. There were so many great bits in that one, or the Krusty comeback special. Um, oh, yeah. that was that was. Classic stuff, classic stuff. Okay, yeah, number can two. Yep. Can I
0: change my answer? Can I change my answer? I just realized, I forgot my actual favorite. It's the Kirk Van Houten divorce episode. Absolutely,
1: that's number <laughs> <what I remember>. one. <laughs> yeah. Can I borrow a feeling?
2: Springfield. The Springfield Film Festival. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Football I in the a race car. Do you?
0: <laughs> I a big bet of my wife.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, two. The first captain of the Seattle Kraken will be, I'll go first, Tyler Johnson.
1: T.J. Oshi.
2: Matt.
0: Oh, I took one. I gotta say, this is a, a terrible, oh, did I freeze? Did my connection? freeze? Yes, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a terrible answer. It's terrible, it's, it's totally not gonna work. Carey Price and he becomes a captain like Roberto Luongo. What a terrible <laughs> answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I yes, it.
2: Right, that is a ter- terrible answer. Okay, number three. If I could get that Sportsnet Life Coach guy alone for five minutes in a room, I would blank.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ryan, first. Waterboard him.
2: (laughs) 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 Producer Steven says, sell him his dream Toyota.
0: (laughs) I'm going to say, remove his tongue.
2: Okay. And me, it would just be, I'd just ask him, you know, why, why are you doing this? (laughs) Are those the worst? Are those the worst? And nobody dreams about having a Toyota and nobody dances when they get a free subway sandwich. That's all I got to say. Number four, are the Ottawa senators already tanking for the top lottery pick in 2021? I say yes. (laughs) Hmm. Rapid fire. I, I don't I, think they're doing rapid, it on purpose. Rapid but, fire. You having trouble with here? You don't go. Hmm. You rapid fire it.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's already been six minutes, so we've kind of killed that concept already. Um, I'm saying that they're not they're not going to tank on purpose, but just by virtue of being Ottawa, they are going to tank anyways.
2: Okay.
0: I'm gonna say not tanking. They're gonna be a lot better than people think. They're gonna improve next year.
2: Okay. And number five. Uh, who is the best pure guitarist of all time? I will start. Mark Knopfler, end of discussion.
1: Mm. Mm. I'm going to go with Jimi Hendrix in terms of pure guitar playing and and innovation.
2: Okay.
1: I'm going to go Eddie Van Halen just for
0: the distinct, when you hear it, you know it. You know it's him. And just for the sheer 80s (laughs)
2: riffness. That was pretty good. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's so. I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, how how did that go, guys?
0: Yeah. Well, that was fun. I liked it. And Stephen Stephen chipped in another answer: Dimebag Daryl?
2: from Pantera.
0: Okay, sure. What? Sounds good.
2: Yeah, sure. sure. Whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah, I prefer I prefer Nickel Nathaniel.
2: <laughs> Come on, uh, I, you guys don't know who Dimebag Daryl is? No, he probably plays the bass too. Like probably like. <laughs>
1: No, he was a guitarist. <laughs> he was incredible and got shot on stage, which was not incredible.
2: What oh, what band is he in? What's the name he, of the he band? Was in, Pantera?
0: He wasn't Pantera. He okay. he wrote what, some of the greatest yeah. guitar parts of all time.
2: Okay.
1: Wow. Well when the well, Dallas great. Stars won the Stanley Cup, they partied at Pantera's house. And
0: their 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 win song is is it's Pantera. Is a Pantera song. And Pantera was even in SpongeBob once.
1: Well, there you go. They yeah. were also super racist. Cool story, but that, that, that's that's the, the, the sad thing. Yes, <laughs> and of course Stephen would know SpongeBob
0: because he probably still watches it because he's two years old. Uh, hey, we'll end on that note with Pantera getting shot on stage. And uh, thank you for listening and watching. We'll be back. We'll be having some draft coverage for agency coverage next week. <laughs>